Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Mailbag Monday, September 21st, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 212th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you all enjoyed your weekend. Thank you for tuning into today's episode. To start things off today, I want to talk about some updates we have about Dylan Strom, who of course is in need of a new contract in the next couple of weeks. And Ben Pope of the Chicago Sun-Times wrote a good article that had a a lot of interesting quotes from Strom regarding his season and whatnot, talking about what his role is in the future. But one interesting piece in particular that I wanted to talk about was Strom being moved from center, which is his natural position that he's played throughout his career so far. He was moved over to the wing in the second half of the regular season, and he struggled immensely in that transition. By the way, in 18 games playing the wing, Strom had just two goals and three assists at even strength, and three of those five points came in one game against the Los Angeles Kings, so... Strom was clearly not as effective in that spot, and he spoke about this recently. He said that he and coach Jeremy Colleton had a bit of a serious talk after Strom was a healthy scratch on February 11th against the Edmonton Oilers, and they both came to a decision that it was best for Strom to stay playing at center. And Strom himself said that he feels more comfortable playing there. He likes playing with the puck on his stick more often than not. And I agree with that statement. I think Strom is at his best when the puck is on his stick. He's not an incredibly fast skater, so he doesn't win a lot of foot races for the puck. And he's also not very good in the board battles and along uh, just in in one-on-one contests for the puck. But he's shown that he can make plays both in transition and in the offensive zone with the puck on his stick. So uh, I definitely think that the attempt by Jeremy Colleton, that that move was a complete failure. I've talked about this a lot on past episodes. Um, I think that was one of Colleton's biggest mistakes in this season. But what makes me mad is, isn't the decision to give Strom a shot at the wing. It's just for how long he kept him in that spot while he was clearly struggling there. That was basically a complete waste of nearly a third of Strom's regular season. And then he also missed some time because of an ankle injury. So while Strom did not play particularly well during the regular season, certainly not as well as he did in 2018-19 where he was nearly a point-per-game player, Um, He was almost put in a position to fail by Jeremy Colleton. And going back to what I was saying about not being mad about moving Strom from center to the wing, I definitely think it was worth that look because Kirby Doc 
has shown he could be a really solid second-line center, possibly even next year, definitely in the next couple of years. And that would put Dylan Strom in a third-line center role going forward. And when he's at his best, he's he should absolutely be playing more than an average third-liner gets. So possibly having Strom as a wing option in the top six would have been a tremendous luxury for the Blackhawks going forward. But unfortunately, that move just didn't pan out for the Blackhawks or for Strom. So... If he does re-sign within the next couple of weeks with the Hawks, which I do expect to happen, especially because he's not arbitration eligible, then I would expect him to be slotted in as the team's third-line center heading into the upcoming season. But let's talk about Strom's contract situation a little bit. Apparently, there haven't been any real talks between the Blackhawks and Strom, which isn't really big news. We heard that Bowman hasn't talked to any of his pending unrestricted free agents so far in the offseason. Excuse me, any of his pending restricted free agents so far in the offseason. But Mark Guy, who is Dylan Strom's agent, said on Friday that his discussions so far with Bowman have only determined timing of when the next meeting will be, and that the two uh, will begin actual contract negotiations whenever the, that meeting comes later on in the offseason. And by later on in the offseason, he literally means in the next week or so because free agency is coming up in less than three weeks now. Um, <clears throat> and Strom himself, he's made it clear that he wants to stay in Chicago. He really likes being here. But with the salary cap remaining at $81.5 million for the next three years because of COVID-19, there is that ever so slight chance that the Blackhawks are not willing to pay somewhere around that $4 million per year ballpark for a third-line center. And that's a fair argument. I mean, Kirby Doc flashed his potential last season where I don't think there's any doubt, uh, especially in the, uh, I should say, in the he flashed his potential really in the postseason where there I don't think there was any doubt he was a better player than Dylan Strom. And... With the Blackhawks also expected to bring back Dominic Kubalik after a breakout 30-goal rookie season and possibly Corey Crawford, Drake Kajula, and or Slater Cuckoo, then maybe Bowman decides not to give a significant chunk of his team's money this offseason for still a somewhat unproven prospect in Dylan Strome. All right, I think that takes care of the couple of updates we got on Dylan Strome and his contract situation with the Chicago Blackhawks from over the weekend. Coming up in just a minute is our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a couple of questions from a few lucky Locked On Blackhawks listeners right here live on the podcast. Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. 
Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page at JackBushman2 and my Blackhawks Twitter page at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free wherever you may listen to your podcast and also on Twitter to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. So we just finished talking about some updates on Dylan Strom's contract situation with the Blackhawks. Now it's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question from a couple of fans right here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. The first question came via Twitter from at Clay underscore S, who asked, Could slash should the Blackhawks trade up in the first round? What would it look like? What other picks plus players could be used to trade up in the later rounds as well? Well, Clay, I think the Blackhawks are definitely a candidate to move up in the first round of the 2020 NHL Draft, which is just 15 days away now, by the way, believe it or not. Um, But it's not going to be particularly easy moving inside of the top 10. It might be nearly impossible because... All of those teams are really desperate to add pieces right now, so I think the only option in trading up for the Blackhawks would be to move up maybe at 11 or 12 via trade with the Nashville Predators or the Florida Panthers, and I think the Blackhawks have to go for one of those two those two picks specifically because it feels like either the Carolina Hurricanes or the Edmonton Oilers who are at number 13 uh numbers 13 and 14 respectively i really feel like one of those two teams is going to take goaltender Yaroslav Askarov because of all their question marks surrounding the starting goaltender positions for each of those teams Uh, But the Blackhawks are kind of in a similar situation, and if they're thinking the same thing about Askarov, if they feel like he can be their guy someday, then trading up to 11 or 12 would 100% be the move. But I, I because I, I believe that's the move because I don't think there's any way Askarov is going to be there at number 17. But I also believe they will have to wait and see if Askarov goes in the top 10 because he, he's really a wild card in the draft this year. He could go anywhere. I've seen some mock drafts have him going at like 5 or 6. I've seen mock, some mock drafts have him going at 14. So he's, he's all over the place. But if he's still available after the top 10 selections, I I personally think the Blackhawks should try and move ahead of Carolina and Edmonton to go get him. Uh, He's looked really sharp in a couple of games so far with St. Petersburg of the KHL this season. He's looked really good uh, while representing his home country of Russia all over the place. He's had really good World Juniors appearances. Um, and so far with uh, St. Petersburg this season, he I've seen on Twitter, he's made a couple of incredible athletic saves. Um, just some unbelievable stuff from an 18-year-old kid playing in the second best professional league in the world. But as for what it would cost to potentially move up Clay, I think it has to be either a young, obviously that 17th overall pick, I think. Uh, plus either a young player or another pick. And for the Blackhawks, they do have two third-round picks in this year's draft, so that could definitely be an option, but in my opinion, that's really the only pick I see them parting ways with. They only have one selection in each of the fourth, fifth, and sixth rounds where they like 
to pick players. They've had some success in the fourth round in particular. And then they're without a seventh round pick this year. So first off, I don't think a team will move down for anything less than a third. Even that could be a little bit of a low ball. And second, the Hawks likely want to hold on to their picks in those later rounds at the moment. So I think those are the only options right now for uh, a pick. As for a player, I've talked about using Alex Nylander in a situation like this to move up a couple of spots in the first round. And also maybe the rights to Drake Kajula for a sign-and-trade. That's something that came to my mind. Slater Cuckoo is an option for that as well, possibly for a later round pick. But uh, as for the prospects, I don't think the Blackhawks are going to want to part ways with any of them right now, especially any of the prospects in a forward group that's super thin at the moment, uh, just because all of the guys in the Blackhawks' pipelines right now are supposed to be vital parts of the future. There's a reason they've invested in them, especially going out and getting a lot of free agents, uh, and most of them are still so early in their development that it's hard to tell exactly what kind of players they're going to pan out to be at this point. So, Clay, there you have it. I hope that answers your question, buddy. Thank you for reaching out to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast on Twitter to ask your question. The second question I want to answer is kind of a joint question from two people on Twitter that asked very similar in questions involving Corey Crawford's pending free agency. So the first came from Zachary Anderson, who I answered a question from last week as well. He asked, with the rumors swirling about Crawford's contract, do you think that will dictate how busy Stan Bowman will be this offseason? And the second question came from at DTGreat13, who asked, Who are the Blackhawks going to target in the free agent goalie market when their low ball offered to Crawford backfires on them? So to start off by answering Zachary's question, it's been said that Stan Bowman so far has yet to hold an actual interview with any of his pending restricted free agents. So it's pretty clear that Crawford slash the starting goaltender position is the top priority for the franchise right now. And whatever Crawford decides to do will 100% have an influence on how active the Blackhawks can be in the offseason. Uh, if Crawford does re-sign with the Blackhawks. I don't see him signing for anything less than $4 million. He's apparently expressed his displeasure uh, with the $3.5 million offer that the Blackhawks gave him recently. Uh, so I, I don't think he's going for anything less than $4 million and possibly even as high as $4.5 million. And that would take up over half of the Blackhawks' cap space that they have at the moment. So, of course, that will be a huge influence on who else the Hawks will be able to bring back out of their restricted free agents. And even if Crawford doesn't re-sign with the Blackhawks, moving on to David the Great's question now, the market is extremely thin. I've talked about Tomas Grice possibly being a cheapish option, but other than that, the market will be filled with guys either the Blackhawks cannot afford or guys who are well out of their primes, like Jimmy Howard, Craig Anderson, Brian Elliott, a couple of guys to name a few. So uh, I don't think that would be the wisest decision for the Blackhawks at the moment. And that's why I do think they should make every effort to sign Crawford, because if they don't, 
They will likely have to make a trade for a number one goaltender before the 2020-2021 season starts. And adding by subtracting right now for the Blackhawks, I just don't think is the smartest decision either. Alright, so I think that will take care of our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment. Clay, David, Zachary, thank you again for taking the time to reach out and ask your questions via Twitter. And I definitely hope to hear from all of you again whenever you guys have a question. Now I think that will take us to our final Blackhawks 2020 postseason recap segment here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, where I take a look at one player and discuss how they fared for the Blackhawks in their short postseason run. But first, I need to talk about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Built Bar has a ton of awesome flavors like salted caramel, peanut butter brownie, German chocolate cake... And they also have six new flavors, which are Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. All of which, like the other 12 flavors, are covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they are also a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps to get $10 off your first order. One more time, be sure to check out BuiltBar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option and use our promo code LOCKEDON in all caps for $10 off your first Built Bar order. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. As always, I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at TalkinHockey. Or you can also always email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or anything that has to do with the Stanley Cup final between the Tampa Bay Lightning and Dallas Stars. Okay, we just finished our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment. Now it's time for our final Blackhawks 2020 postseason recap segment here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast with the honors going to 26-year-old pending restricted free agent defenseman Slater Cuckoo. So, during the first half of the 2019-20 regular season, Cuckoo kind of found himself sitting in the team's seventh defenseman role more often than not, which led to him playing very little early on in the season, but because of the injuries to Calvin DeHaan and Brent Seabrook in December, Cuckoo was given a shot right right around the start of the new year to be an everyday defenseman, and he went on to have an impressive second half of the year uh, on the team's third defensive pairing along with Oli Mata. Uh, and with the return of Calvin DeHaan and then possibly Brent Seabrook at the opening of training camp for the 2014 postseason, there were rumblings that Cuckoo maybe could once again find himself in the team's seventh defenseman role, which was kind of frustrating because 
uh, Seabrook had been out for so long, and Cuckoo was playing so well with Mata at the end of the regular season. It, it was kind of uh, tough to hear that Cuckoo possibly could be in that role once again. But once Seabrook announced that he was opting out of the playoffs, it became official that Cuckoo was going to be a regular in the Blackhawks lineup for the postseason. And it was a damn good thing he was because in that qualifying round against the Edmonton Oilers, he and Ole Mata were lighting up the stats sheet just as everyone predicted, right? Uh, as in the first three games of that series, Slater Cuckoo was a point-per-game player. He tallied one goal and two assists, and uh, he also had a plus-three, plus-minus rating and three shots on goal, so he was chipping in and providing a little bit of everything. He was also a really huge part of a couple timely goals that the Blackhawks scored. He had a shot redirected by... Matthew Highmore for a huge goal in the third period of Game 3 against Edmonton. So that third defensive pairing of Mata and Cuckoo, they were doing it all for the Blackhawks in that play-in series. And honestly, without either of them, I'm not sure the Blackhawks are able to get by Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and company. Unfortunately, Cuckoo would go scoreless in the final six games of the playoffs for the Blackhawks, including, obviously, in all five games against the Vegas Golden Knights. But he did play well defensively for the most part against a really solid Vegas offense. And Cuckoo, he was also seeing a little bit more time on ice per game than he got during the regular season. So he handled a bit of an extensive role very well, even if he didn't provide much or (laughs) much, even if he didn't provide anything offensively against Vegas. So in total, Cuckoo finished with one goal and two assists for three points in nine games with a solid plus four plus minus rating and just two penalty minutes and seven shots on goal while averaging 16 minutes and 25 seconds of time on ice per game. Uh, Cuckoo played well on both sides of the puck and honestly he just continued to do what he's done in the past one been when he's been given a chance by the Blackhawks. He's always handled his ro- role well. He plays solid in the defensive zone and sometimes he'll even surprise you with a goal or a really nice assist like we saw in the playoffs. So for me, I'm going to give Slater Cuckoo a B plus for his performance in the postseason. I-, I would give him a higher grade if he continued to rack up points offensively, but He still stayed solid in the defensive zone for the Blackhawks. I'm definitely happy with that. He's more of a defensive-minded player uh, than he is offensively. And he established some really strong chemistry on that third defensive pairing with Ole Mata this year. They turned into be a really solid uh, final pairing for the Blackhawks. And it would definitely be sad to see either of those two gone this offseason after what they provided for the Blackhawks in the playoffs. Alright, so I think that is going to wrap up Slater Cuckoo's 2020 postseason recap and Monday, September 21st episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show and be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out every day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news from the Stanley Cup final between the Dallas Stars and Tampa Bay Lightning. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. As always, I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, 
or my Blackhawks account at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until Tuesday's episode, be sure to enjoy the rest of your Monday, and thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.